yeah, I guess that that's what faith is. That's exactly what faith is. The the fact that that knowing that there is more, you know, not knowing what it is, but having faith that it it's better, or uh, having faith that you shouldn't be scared of what's coming. Hip Hop Hustle Podcast, man. You heard it here first. He's not playing. No, Aaron's not playing. No fucking game. You got your ear to the streets, man. Much love to all the people down under. And make sure y'all follow the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, man, because they're giving y'all nothing but the real shit. But yeah, man, appreciate the intro, bro. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's kick it off. Shout out to the whole Hip Hop Hustle podcast. What's up with it? There we go. Welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. I am super excited about this one. It's been a couple of weeks since I've recorded personally because I've been away in Thailand, but I'm glad to be back. You know, we're back. We're recording straight away. I'm with fantastic artist Dime a Dozen. Dime a Dozen's been around for a little bit. Like, you know, he's been rapping for a long time now. I think you've been an artist for over 10 years. Like I've seen that you've been dropping music, but you've been working on your craft for over 10 years and you used to be part of the uh, group phony people. Then you went on on your own. You were signed to Atlantic records um, mm-hmm. done, you know, especially 2022 you've released tracks like players only uh, gods of the city and his most recent album as well was a second iteration of Ghetto Olympics. So that's Ghetto Olympics too. So he's got plenty yes, of stuff out there, uh, including collaborations with artists like Joey Badass, Capital Steez, and uh, personal favorites of the show, uh, Flatbush Zombies as well. Um, so, man, it's been a pretty impressive career thus far, and I'm sure you still got plenty to go. Oh, yeah, man. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, and shout out to Australia, man. Uh, definitely a place I got to get to very soon. And uh, yeah, man, just, you know, over a 10-year career for sure. Just been, you know, getting my creativity out. Uh, it's really started through the internet. The internet has definitely uh, kept my legacy alive. You know, I got a lot of history in these uh, cyber streets. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Well, something I actually wanted, something I saw that was really interesting to me was that mm-hmm. you had to deal with Puma. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was uh, signed to Puma for about four years as the brand ambassador for the, uh, for the East Coast. So at, at the same time, uh, you know, we had Casey Veggies on the West. We had uh, Rocky Fresh for the Midwest. Uh, we also, would, uh, we had uh, Vic Mitza. Meek Mill uh, with us. Yeah, so I was with Puma for a little bit. You know, that was a great experience being endorsed by uh, one of my favorite sneaker companies growing up. Well, I mean, how does that come about? Like, do you just get a call one day? Like, what happens? Because I think everyone, like I personally, that's like a dream for me is like if they were to come up and be like, hey, do you want a sneaker deal? Let's do a sneaker collab. I'm sure so many kids are like, they see all the sneaker collabs that around right now. Um, but how does that come about? How did they contact you or did you contact them? How did that work? Uh, at that point, you know, I had been dealing with the whole uh, Warner Brothers records system. Uh, so at that point, I had signed to Warner Brothers records and, you know, my brand uh, was associated with that brand and, with that brand being associated with mine came other opportunities. So, you know, uh, Puma had heard about me and they, they you know, looked into me and they, they reached out at that point. So, you know, once you're plugged into certain things within the industry, you know, certain things uh, kind of present themselves afterwards. Was it like a tough decision or were you like 100% yes? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, uh, you know what? I can't say it was the easiest decision because with having an endorsement deal, you have to only wear the, the these products. So it's like wearing Pumas only was kind of a challenge, but that, that also helped me find out about how many uh, collabos Puma did themselves. Like they have so many uh, collaborations like with Alexander McQueen and Bape and so many like dope, you know, collabs. So, I wasn't always wearing the same old, you know, Pumas. So uh, at first I was a little skeptical, but 
when I got in and I, I got in and seen how much like they had to offer, I was with it. <laughs> did you only have to wear the sneakers or did you have to wear like Puma everything? Oh, Puma sneakers were mandatory, but uh, I couldn't wear any like competing brands. Like I couldn't wear no Nike. You can't. I can't wear no Adidas with my Puma. So I could only wear like I could wear like designer things, but any competing brands on my topper like bottoms were not a go. <laughs> not gonna lie, that would have been rough for me because I love Air Force Ones. Like Air Force Ones to me are like one of just my favorite shoe. They're so comfortable. The design is like classic design, but like if you got rid of Air Force Ones, Air Jordans, I'd be like. And again, yeah. tough choice. Yep, I could. Yep, I had to make that sacrifice. But then again, like I said, like the little high fashion collabos, it kept me interested because you know different flavors. I wasn't missing the Jordans. I had like Trinomic Pumas, some Alexander McQueen bait Pumas, like L shit. So I didn't miss. I didn't miss out. Okay, I think I would have built a collection in the background. Like I would have bought all these like sneakers so that when the deal's up, I can wear them again. Like that's probably what I would have done to make sure that like, you know, because otherwise I would have gone crazy. Like, yeah, it's cool if you can wear all the Pumas and you get all the collabs. But at some point, like, you're like, damn, there's so many cool sneakers out there that I just want to have. Oh, yeah, yeah. I definitely got my collection of Pumas. But like right now, you know, just like you're talking about Air Force Ones, you know those are the staple so because that deal ran for four years you said Mm -hmm. like what was the what was the the because that's a pretty long deal a four-year deal with a sneaky company Mm -hmm. uh with a apparel company how did that come to end like what was the the conclusion of that did it just run out and they were like all right let's part ways like what was the ending of that so like at that point, Puma had went into a different direction as far as who they wanted to represent their brand. Uh, I think this is like the years of Rihanna coming in. So like when Rihanna was like big, like I feel like she was creative director or something like that, you know, so she came in. And I'm sure like a lot of the budget and a lot of like the attention went towards like having Rihanna. Because these brands really just associate with you to kind of like, you know, it's widen their audience even though they're big brands like they do understand that you know us as young artists coming up we have our own fan bases the things that we think are cool uh are going to influence uh our fans and people that listen to us so of course you know they reach out and you know they want you to be associated but you know when rihanna like an artist like rihanna comes through is like yeah you know we can uh, wrap up our deal we about to you know focus more on this big, huge entity that's going to bring us even more. And then you see even after those years, like they had like Jay-Z dealing with the company, Nipsey Hussle. So, you know, they continue to, you know, co-sign artists and, you know, spend their money wisely. You know, they, they're buying influence, uh, you know, really. When you, when you put it like that, buying influence, does it, do you look at it like it's kind of weird in a sense that a company essentially buys influence, they see success in someone and they kind of just buy clout. Like, I don't know, it feels like we look at it like hip hop is this commodity of like, it's such an important culture in history, Mm -hmm. such an important culture in music. And then you've got these companies who are trying to really monetize it and take it advantage of it to obviously grow their own brands. But at the same time, they put money in the pockets of the artists. So it's like this weird place that we're in yeah i mean yeah it's happening all the time you know uh you know it's like a constant pimping whole situation it's like you know but as a young artist you kind of don't look at it that way because kind of the smoky mirrors kind of make you attracted to this whole being used thing (laughs) so it's like as you know me as an artist as i grow older you know, I look back and I realize certain, you know, tactics that were used to, you know, get us as young artists on board. Like, you know, even with labels, like the whole uh, facade of, you know, this label is going to, you know, bring you 
you know, signing to a label means you made it. Like that in our heads growing up, that was kind of how it was presented to us. And I feel like that was kind of for a reason. You know, it was like, okay, you signed a deal, you made it. But at the end of the day, it's like, what type of deal are you signing? And a standard deal is really just, you know, something that's going to, you know, have you in a bind and not be in your best interest. So it was like, if that's the standard, it's like, was it even like good in the first place to even like get a deal or like, I, I, like you know, the business is, is, is a lot to it. So it's like, as a young kid, you kind of just blinded by the flashing lights, but it's, it's, it's so much deeper, you know, it can get so tricky and it can end up, you know, not benefiting you at all. Yeah, it is, it is weird. Cause I've had these conversations before of like, you know, 360 deals of these yeah. deals that are just, you know, they own the rights for a long period of time. They're trying to recoup on their investment. And if your mm-hmm. album or your, your project doesn't do as well as it's supposed to, then the label gets annoyed. And it's got all these like clauses and it's all this like, you know, those this legal jargon when, you know, when you're coming up, all you focus on is the art, the hustle, the distribution. Like all you want to do is just focus on that. But then it just gets amalgamated and brought into this world that, no one ever talks about really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the industry for you. It's like, yeah, it's like, I feel like it's like a world of sheeps and, and, and shepherd or like wolves and sheeps or like, I feel like there's more sheeps than anything is what I'm kind of trying to say. And I feel like there's wealth in being a controller of the sheep you know, and kind of keeping them uninformed, you know. So it was like the glitz and glamour is kind of blinding the uh, the young artists while, you know, behind the scenes, you know, there's so much more that is important. And, uh, yeah, the, the shine and all the shit that they show on Instagram and on TV for years, it's like, you know, it's just to lure you in. I think there's a difference between being wealthy and being rich. And I think oh, yeah. that the the people who run the business are wealthy and the artists are rich. And yeah. what and to be honest, myself included, when you look at all the artists, you're like, man, I want to be rich. But mm-hmm. what you should want is to be that like, you know, that wealth for a long period of time of like You've got sustained money. You can look after generations of your family rather than I'm rich for 10 years and then I've got other people controlling my money. i got other people telling me what to do. i got other people controlling my business. And then 10 years, my career is over for whatever reason. But like I ain't got mm-hmm. no money left because I had everyone dipping their hands in. You know, you got to give 10% here. you got to give 5% there. you got to give... 10% here, then you got the 360 deal on behind. You've got to give royalties to them, to them, to them. By the time you're finished in your prime, you ain't got nothing left. You've got music right. that may have been good, but you don't have that sustained wealth to keep you going and keep your family going. Right. And that's, uh, I feel like that's the game, you know, just exploiting the moment. You know, it's like, the people that are wealthy in the background don't necessarily have to keep up with the Joneses, don't necessarily have to be the, uh, you know, appear to the world as anything. They don't have to ha- even have to show their faces. It's about hiring the talent, uh, like uh, putting the talent on the forefront that's going to in turn bring them what they need, the, the wealth they need, you know. So it's like exploring the moment. If this artist is hot and everything they do people are attracted to it? Take him, you know, squeeze whatever you can out of the room and, you know, until he's done, until the next person comes, you can do the same thing. That's like kind of like what a, a label, <laughs> more and more I kind of look at label situations like that, like you said, like a 360 deal, being able to have hands in every single thing that you do, you know, so it's like, yeah, it can get, get ugly. Was that your experience? Um, Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Um, I was signed to Warner Brothers Records at 19. Uh, the deal I signed was uh, for an, uh, two mixtapes and a, uh, then an album. It was like I 
signed up to kind of promote myself in order to open up a bigger budget. So it was like, I was never denied of anything. You know, it was kind of like, hey, Dom is here. and Let's help him get where he needs to be. Uh, my situation was a little different. Um, there was a merger between Warner Brothers Records and Atlantic Records, uh, which are both under Warner Music. So um, at one point, there was a merger and the staff was shortened, shortened. So it was like two of the labels within Warner Music came together, which were Warner Brothers Records and Atlantic Records. They merged, staff was lost, my A&Rs were changed. You know, uh, the people who had initially signed me weren't assigned to me anymore. So it kind of became hectic for me to kind of move up in this, you know, system where uh, I'm no longer even seen as a, a priority and people who actually signed me aren't even there to kind of uh, take up for me. And then, yeah, so that was kind of my label situation. You know, I fought to, you know, work my way up. So how long were you there after the merger? Uh, I would say maybe a year, you know, because I was still in the label. Um, I had no budget for my album at that point because I would have to, you know, get in the build and speak, get new A&Rs and things like that and have them pay attention to me in order to do it at the time. So I was kind of like doing what I do now, kind of like moving independent, like just making my own music and kind of trying to get their attention. I had did like one of my biggest songs to date with Kalani, before Kalani even signed to Atlantic Records. Me and her had a, a track. So, you know, things like that. I was just trying to like make moves to kind of build myself up before like the label even started just paying attention or even like knew me like that because it was a whole new label you know so did you at the end of that 12 months were you was it just the end of the deal and they just decided not to re-sign or were you trying to push to be released like how did that come out yeah i had pushed to be released i had um dope entertainment lawyer that allowed me to get out of the deal without actually having to uh owe anything to them uh it was like an understood situation like yeah it just wasn't working out because of all the you know chaos in the building i wasn't getting the help i needed and i wasn't you know i wasn't happy with how it was going so i, I just chose to like you know keep it independent and so how long ago was that maybe 2014 Okay, so you've been independent for a minute. Like, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. W would you ever go back and sign a deal? Or have you, like, found this is the type of, like, controlling everything is your your way of doing music? I've signed other deals since then. Uh, not necessarily record label deals. I've done distribution deals. But even with that, like, in the, this time, in this day and age, it's completely different than what it was, like, uh, the streaming era has come and we're here, you know, and I I find it so much easier to be able to upload my own music <laughs> and not have to go through a label and, and ask people questions or like and submit art and then wait for somebody to upload my shit. Like, I'm not really into that. But um, if there, were, there was ever like a label situation that allows me to like have my own like control of my music and how it's uploaded and things like that but they also offer you know you know promotional opportunities i mean deals like that like because at, at the end of the day like what do we need labels for you know word like what do we need them for and um they would have to convince me why i need them really well i mean you know the message from what i'm hearing is you got to come with a nice offer come with a bag mm -hmm. And also, you got to show that you can open some doors that aren't opened right now. Because yeah. to be honest, from my perspective, obviously, I'm not an artist. I just hear these stories and talk to people. But from my perspective, it's like the only real <coughs> thing that they can offer you is opportunities you would never have had to work with artists that you may not have access to right now. Like artists that you look up to as a kid where you're like, fuck, if I could work with them, 
it would be like a dream come true where I could like actually show my skill, where I could learn off those types of artists. To me, that is what really is a invaluable opportunity because if you build a relationship, no matter how the deal goes, you have a relationship with that person. And now right. you kind of broken through that kind of invisible glass ceiling because they've taken you into that. Right. But even with that, in this day and age, for example, like I was doing shows in Brooklyn before I got signed and, and putting out videos on the internet and, and playing Pat, which is like one of Kanye West close producer homies, like ended up reaching out to me just from the internet. So it was like, in this day and age, <laughs> we can make those relationships too. You know, it's always cool to have like a label that has relationships with like a Timberland or, you know, that's just off top of the head. Like someone of that caliber that, you know, can connect with us and, and bring it to another level. But the fact that it was just someone who was just so close to Kanye West that could make a call and be like, yo, this is dying, you know? And it, all it took was the internet. And this was before IG, this was before any of that shit. So it was like, they got on YouTube and said, hey, um, let me hit him up on Twitter because I, I just seen his video and I'm going to go to his next show. So it's like, what can you do? That's that's a, that's how I'm looking at labels. Like, yo, like, what are we doing? Does it make sense? Because, like, I like to say, like, I'm a star player, but I'm also a team player. Is there some type of conglomerate I can sit there and join or some type of label that I can represent that's going to help me? Just like, just like you will be buying my influence and I, yeah, I will be associating myself with your brand and being under your brand. You know, I'm kind of signing up to be associated with yours to make myself bigger. So it's like, what, what are we doing? Well, I think that's why we're seeing a lot of artists start their own labels. A lot of artists, right. you know, go independent a lot of artists go you know what with the way the music industry is right now i can do it all myself like i don't need someone to spin my my tracks on the radio i don't need to have relationships with all the djs like i can have relationships with them but like i can also distribute myself i can also find features you know i can book them myself I can do the distribution, mm -hmm. I can do, make videos, music videos, like making music videos is as easy as it's ever been. Like it's still fucking hard, but like it's, <laughs> you can, you can still do it. Like you can buy a mic, you can buy, you know, the right cameras. You know, I, I do this podcast independently. I don't need anyone mm -hmm. to, to fund this. So it's like, you know, now is easier than ever. It's just about actually committing to doing it all yourself. I think that's the challenge is like, it does take a lot to be your own artist. It does take a lot to do everything your own because if you're not willing to do it, then it's not going to work and you might as well sign to a, to a deal because they're going to do it for you. They're going to do distribution. They're going to do marketing. They're going to do all of that, but your music may just not be your own. That's the problem. Where you can't move how you want to move with it. You know, you got to have people sign off on your stuff. It's like, I'm not into that. <laughs> but yeah you know you definitely got to put the work in as an independent artist you know I'm still building my structure uh, completely you know I definitely have a foundation of you know people and that you know keep this this thing going you know I got earlier uh, we probably weren't on camera but my god uh, Law is here man like you know he's an artist as well he's an engineer you know, keep the vocals clean. To, you know, my voice sounded clear. So it's like, that's very much needed. Boy, money montage, production, shit like that. So it's definitely, you know, a team is needed. So the fact that I'm able to, you know, have that on deck is a blessing. Uh, what, I, what I do want to know is like, is there anyone that you have right now as like someone you really want to work with? Like, is there anyone right now that you're like, you know, I've, I've worked with some cool people. I've worked with some artists that, you know, perceive themselves as I've worked with so many amazing people. But is there anyone that you're like, I feel like my vibe would work with this person. Like, I feel like we would just make a dope track. I don't know. Off, back, off, off top of the head, I just thought Jaden Smith for some reason. I like Jaden Smith. Uh, you know, I for that, I, that is the la last person I thought you would ever mention. 
But like now that you yeah. say it, I feel like it'll work. <laughs> yeah, I like his energy. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm really into like the Kendricks. Like I've been a big fan of Kendrick for a long time. I've always wanted to work with Kanye. Uh, uh, I was a big fan of Eminem growing up. Uh, Jay-Z, I've always like wanted to be a part of like the Rock Nation, you know, Rockefeller. You know, just being from Brooklyn, you know, that's like something that you always like you aspire to be growing up and seeing Jay-Z have his own like empire. So you kind of want to be a part of that. Um, yeah, those are like some artists I would like like to work with, but nobody that stands out so much right now like that's out right now yeah i mean i think you know everyone would love to work with people like jay-z people like kanye they're like you know once once they put you on it's like you're legit they like give you the credit and i know i i agree with you with eminem like i've i've loved eminem when i was a kid 50 cent was always the first person i ever listened to but like you know it would be interesting to be to work with those artists to see what they are actually like in a studio as opposed to just like, you know, what we see in terms of what they put together. Like I'd love to be in that room with them and see them in their creative process and like soak it up and, and be a sponge. Yeah. I mean, most importantly, that would be beautiful for me because, you know, I don't even necessarily like, when I say work with an artist, like I could be behind the scenes, I could be helping artists with like lyrics and you know shit like that. Like I don't even don't even necessarily have to be me featuring. Like I'm down to help. Like I've always wanted to do that. Like write for other people, write rap R and B songs, stuff like that. Just for some of the top artists or some of the artists that you don't know, want to keep going and stay current. I'm in the streets. I'm, I'm. I am this generation and the next generation. So it's like I want to put my mind to work. Well, how do you feel about ghostwriters? Because you said, I mean, you just said you're open to it. But how do you feel about it as an artist yourself, as a rapper? You know, someone who takes pride in their own music. Like, how do you feel about that in general? I mean, as an MC, you know, I take pride in writing my own lyrics. But uh, I look at certain pop acts. Uh, you know, like a Beyonce, certain acts like that, that kind of, you know, need, or, you know, Adele, like people that kind of use a team of writers to enhance their work. And I, I understand it. It's like the World Olympics. It's like no team, uh, Olympic team or championship team wins a solo. You know, it's kind of like they're presenting this big brand. The Brooklyn Nets is just like Beyonce. You feel me? Like a uh, uh, better example, Jay Z is like the Brooklyn Nets. It's like it takes a lot of people to kind of well, no, Brooklyn Nets is like Beyonce because it takes a lot of people to kind of like bring her to life, like bring her, you know, whether it be her makeup, whether it be like the, her writers, whether it be like it takes a team of people to help her brand shine. So it's like, yeah, I totally understand what a ghostwriter can do for a pop act. But if we're getting down to like the, the essence of hip hop, you know, you might get looked at a little sideways if you're not writing your own lyrics and as an MC, especially. I mean, there are a lot of people who don't write their own lyrics and they're doing well. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, people like Cardi B, you know, Dre. Kanye doesn't write all his own lyrics. Uh, you know, Dr. Dre has never written all his lyrics. Um, that's not what he brings to the party. Um, but like, you know, there, there are a lot of people who have ghostwriters. But it's interesting now that like it's almost you get to a point where your career is at a point and it becomes accepted. You know what I mean? Like it becomes like, all right, you're this big. I cannot expect you to write all your own lyrics because you don't have the time to do it all. Yeah. And especially when like you're more of a a production act like a, a Dr. Dre or a Kanye West. Like, you know, these guys are known for their sound, the lyrics, you know, are, are, are complimentary, but I feel like Kanye West in the whole is just a, a sound. Dr. Dre is a sound. So it's like when other artists come into that world and help, you know, enhance that sound, it's just, you know, it, it is what it is. It's not, I don't feel like it's any knock to them because they are just 
uh, minds that produce music, not necessarily MCs that came from the, the New York battle b-boy. Like me, I'm an MC, I'm an artist from New York, and that's my essence, you know? So for someone to like say I have a ghostwriter in, you know, I was in the hallways, I was in the middle of the street battling people, you know, I was in ciphers, you know, uh, I was battling people twice my age. That's where I come from. Don't insult me and tell say I got ghostwriters. But some people, I can understand why they get passes because it's like Dr. Dre ain't no lyricist, you know? Yeah. And to be fair, you know, and I, I say I, I'm kind of like you. I kind of look at it both ways because I'm like, it depends what you bring to the party because, like, you know, some people are sound people and they don't, they cannot put lyrics together. Some people are lyricists. They put lyrics together. Some people are performers. And sometimes you need everyone to work together to build like that brand that we were talking about. That like, you know, just because I'm a good lyricist doesn't mean I want to perform. And just because I'm a good, you know, performer doesn't mean I know how to put a beat together. So you need the team of like, you need people to help you because if the rule was you had to do it all yourself, we would get like no music. Because it would be impossible to be like, I'm making my beats. I'm my own engineer. I'm doing it all myself. I'm writing my own lyrics. Like, it's not possible to do it all. So there has to be at some point that someone else has to step up and, and has to help you, whether that be lyrically, whether that be sound-wise. Like, you've got an engineer. Everyone's got an engineer. You've got to have one because otherwise it's going to sound like shit. So, you know, you can't do it by yourself. Um, I feel like... Being relatable is one of my biggest goals. Well, I'm not trying to be relatable, but it's more like, I feel like the best music is music that you can relate to. And when you have different perspectives, just like different minds in a room to just throw out ideas and give you different perspectives, it's just like, there's no wrong in that either. So like, as much as I'm an MC, like I listen to what people think you know uh so it's like even with that like it's it's can't do everything on your own you need other minds to see you know how other people are thinking just to you know, be able to tap into their thoughts a little bit because it's like okay people are people out there think like that oh okay and it's like for me at least it helps me gather the way i want to present my my song well i mean like we said at the big very before we even started the the podcast mm -hmm. but like your sound is really unique in the sense that it doesn't really fit in a box. Like I wouldn't classify you as like boom bap, old school hip hop. I wouldn't classify you as like trap new school. You've had got like a really pleasant jazzy kind of sound. You've got like this real melody in the music that you choose for your beats and, and the music that you, you choose to spit over. But like, how did you find that? And how did you find that niche? Cause it's really, it's like, really pleasant to listen to like more than just lyrically but just the whole vibe of of the songs that you make are just actually quite you know they're relaxing they're almost like you know they get you in this zen place but how did you find that sound that really suits what you're doing i feel like uh one of the most important things that i i look for in music uh whether it be like picking beats or just the sound I want to go for is soulfulness. And um, I feel like my background is just full of it, you know, whether it be being in the church, growing up in the church, or whether it be like my grandmother being a background singer for the Osley Brothers, you know, just that very soulful, melodic R&B vibe. But like I said, like, I am an MC. I am from New York. I am inspired by the Jay-Zs, the Nas's and uh, the true MCs of the game. So uh, I kind of just, you know, blend it all in. And me as an artist that came up on creative artists, I never want to be stuck in a box. I never want to be basic. I feel like the name Dama Dozen is just a selfless name within itself because, uh, you know, it's it, like, and it's true meaning. It means something that's kind of like worthless or it's something that is easily, easily accessible. And, um, I kind of make that name ironic by being multifaceted and having different creative styles and being out of the ordinary and out of the box. 
So I kind of challenged myself with naming myself that and also uh, giving uh, all glory to, you know, a higher power, all, all glory to God, letting people know that I don't consider these uh, talents that I just develop because I developed them. These are like gifts that I wouldn't be able to expound on if it wasn't for, my, you know, being blessed and that's like what Dama doesn't really mean it's like I am not just me I am I am a child of God you know yeah well I mean it's interesting that you went for the irony like the ironic name where it's like you're dealing with opposites where you're like it's almost like self-motivation that you could Mm -hmm. fall into being a Dama dozen but you want to prove that you're not I mean most artists are the opposite they're like, you know, amazing MC or the best MC or fab MC. They're like these artist names that are like, they're trying to say that they're the best. So I actually like your name because it's like really subtle. It's, it doesn't mean that you're the best, but it does like, it's just like, it's just this balance that I kind of like, it really works. Cause um, yeah. Yeah. Anything but a dime a dozen. Yeah, man. But yeah, all glory to God, man. It's a blessing just to have these, ideas and these talents and these resources to be able to get these ideas out there's so many people out there that might have dope concepts and records and rhymes but just can't get to a mic can't get a studio can't afford a studio can't you know don't have the resources within their neighborhoods to even record these incredible ideas that they have so the fact that i'm able to get it out i just say you know i'm a dime a dozen anybody could have did it I am placed in this time, in this space, you know, right now to bring it the way I'm bringing it. So that's definitely a blessing. Well, how does God influence your music? Because, you know, I personally am not a believer in God. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you know, people in hip-hop, they do believe in God a lot. It's a lot in, in the lyrics. There's always references to a higher power. There's always references to a, a greater being other than themselves. But how does it influence your music and what you do? Um, I feel like I've had too many encounters with either spiritual people or spirituality. Kind of not believe that there are different entities outside of uh, the physical human uh, entities that we kind of uh, encounter all the time. So it's kind of like I grew up in the church. So, but that didn't make me Christian per se, but it gave me like a. a a sense in faith and religion and like what that meant. Uh, but growing up, I was able to, you know, do my own studies, look into, you know, things like spirit science and uh, meet people from other races like Islam, you know, kind of see uh, what those were about. And I kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, people that are interested in religion kind of, all are having the same idea of, you know, the faith idea. Like they have faith in something that is kind of unseen and, you know, they believe that, you know, there's something bigger than them. So uh, if, if nothing, if I don't believe in a God or anything, I, I do believe in a high power of God. But if anything, if nothing else, I believe that I am not just here because like, because uh, me like there's definitely a trickle down effect and definitely something higher than me that has brought all of us here so it's like hey you know you just got to give praise to you know whether it be the universe whether it be you know it's, it's something bigger than just the human race that's how i feel you know so definitely got to have some type of gratitude and appreciation for whatever it has us here does does that for me. does that make it easier for you to create that feeling of like there is more than just this? Um, I, I guess you could say that because it's kind of like an installed uh, attitude or installed feeling within me. You know, there is more. Yeah, I guess that that's what faith is. That's exactly what faith is. The the fact that that knowing that there is more. You know, not knowing what it is, but having faith that it it's better, or uh, having faith that you shouldn't be scared of what's coming. 
you know, it's going to be joyous, you know, that things in the future are going to be better for you. That, like, even in church, like, a preacher uh, 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 preach that to you while, you know, while you, you, you come in there. It's just about, like, uplifting your spirit, you know? So it's like to have a sense of faith within yourself and be able to lift your own spirits in bad times and, and, and know that the future is better, you know? It definitely helps me create music, yeah. Because, like, I would have quit already, you know? <laughs> I would have, I would have been done. Like I would have not been in the deal anymore, and I would have felt like, damn, like, it's you know, God, why, why did you, why, why do you put me through this? Instead of being like, wow, you know, that was an experience that is gonna help me get to my next level, and I, it's, I've seen it through example. Like everything that has happened to me has prepared me for my next level, you know, and I, and I still have faith that. I, I'm a brand new artist uh, and I can still be a brand new artist and I feel better than ever and I'm making the best music I've made. So it's like, it's only continuing to get better. No, it's interesting because like you say that the, that the faith in God helps you move forward. It's like it, it keeps guiding you. And it's like, to me personally, I'm like, I have faith in myself in a way. And that's, that's what it is to me personally is like, you know, whether the trials or tribulations, but you know, at the end of the day, if you don't quit, that it's going to make it happen. That all it is, is, you know, the continual grind. And, and I don't know, for me personally, it's like something that I have always been like, take accountability for everything. And I think a lot of people like to blame other external factors, I think. And you know, whether it be religion or otherwise, you know, a lot of people like to point fingers and go, you know, I didn't get that because of this person or I didn't get that because of this. But like, I think for, for me and every successful person I've ever listened to, they're like, if you take accountability for your own actions, if you take accountability for what you're putting out there, then you will be in control of your destiny at the end of the day. Yeah. There are people that influence what you get, but if you take accountability and you try to make yourself the best person or the best artist or the best at whatever pursuit you want to pursue, then inevitably over time, you will see success. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and I'm not against anyone thinking like that because it, you're definitely supposed to have faith within yourself. You're supposed to know that your skill, uh, work at your skill to the point where you feel like you can't fail or you feel like you're best equipped to not fail but you know i feel like there are some things in life that we can't control and when we work our, our hardest and we miss opportunities and certain opportunities end up being better for us than others like you know we could call it coincidence we could call it alignment we can call it energy you know but at the same time I could sit there and work my hardest to become the best me, but there's certain things that are kind of unexplained or situations that kind of occur that kind of lead us into our best situations. And I feel like my faith has kind of prepared me for that. Uh, it kind of excites me for my new levels because it kind of always happens like that. And it could be like manifest manifestation power. It could be God, it could be whatever. But like I just look at it as like me having faith within uh, my talents, of course. But I feel like my talents aren't all me because like I didn't have to be this man. I didn't have to come into the earth this way. I didn't have to have this voice. I didn't have that mind. So I feel like I can't take all credit for me. You know? <laughs> yeah, I get it. I mean, it, it's interesting because regardless of how I feel, you know, the whole. God, religion, analogies, the whole metaphors in religion and how it connects to mute the, the artistry mm -hmm. of hip hop is really cool. Like all those metaphors, like without religion, wouldn't be as cool. Like there's just so much in there that like, you know, you can hear almost most tracks have some reference to a higher power. Some tracks have references to like, you know, even Greek gods. It doesn't even have to be, but general religion is actually a really big part of hip hop and something that you know, I probably haven't even discussed on the show before, but like it actually adds much to it. Even if you don't believe like there's something about the, the connections and, and the higher powers and just like the way you can play with those metaphors and those lessons is actually mm -hmm. what makes the music really good. 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you just made me think of so many lines. Like, even, like you, you spoke of Greek gods. I know so many rappers that say, oh, she's wet like Poseidon. Uh, like, you know, certain things like that. Zeus bars and shit like that, you know. Um, yeah, Medusa. Yeah. I know what Royce, Medusa. Royce the five nine. he was like, um, yeah, I'm fucking a stone cold killer. And it's like, that's a reference to Medusa. Um, mm-hmm. Like, there's just so much in there that like the all these uh, it's just cool you can use them in so many different ways but i think great gods are actually really cool as references as well there's something about you know each of the characters that they have that really works well in terms of imagery in terms of their dark they've got flaws they're like angry they do all this cool shit so yeah man i'm i'm always a big fan of that kind of stuff I was listening to kanye today uh just randomly flashing lights I watch live performances on my spare time sometimes, just old live performances, new ones. And it was a Kanye West of VH1 Storytellers uh, uh, performance, and he was doing flashing lights. And one of the lines was, uh, hey, Mona, hey, Mona Lisa, come home. You know you can't run without Caesar. You know, so a little Caesar line. You know, so shit like that. Yeah, it definitely helps rap. It brings rap out. It's like a uh, a tool that a toolbox we can dig in <laughs> to help us bring out very uh, you know just beautiful imagery within our, our wordplay because you can you know play with the Caesars, the Poseidons, the Medusas. It's like even like you know Jesus like uh, cross uh, Kanye had a line that came out on a future album today. He said, "Cross me so much I got nails in my hand." You know, you know shit like that. You know, it's weird because like hip hop artists aren't stereotypically known as like, you know, the most intelligent bunch, right? There's like this stereotype of like, you know, they're just straight guys. They're just used to to a particular type of life. But then if you listen to the lyrics, you're like, fuck the amount that artists know and the references and, you know, the type of things that, that people know in hip hop is way more than, than people get credit for because it's like, it's, it's crazy. I couldn't put in those references. You know, it, I went to, I, I went to university. I got degrees. I half the shit I'm looking at and I'm listening to, I'm like, how the fuck did you put that together? Like I, I, right. even, I don't even have the ability to even think that that's something that I could do, let alone to put it together with the beat, with the melody, with the pocket that you're wrapping in and it's like man people need more credit yeah and it's like you know it's different types of intelligence you know like some people say oh you can be street smart you know so a lot of people have like street intelligence or just the intelligence that you gather just being a minority just being a black person in america you know just certain uh ways you have to outthink situations that you're in like just being able to survive just takes extra type an extra type of thinking that you wouldn't even have to you use in the university. <laughs> so it's like you're kind of more intelligent in a in in in, a, in a, another way, just a different you know lane. You know, it's not maybe academically or it could be or you know it can be just within the streets. It can be within street business. It can be within the Bible. You know, because you know in the black community, you know, a lot of us are brought up. Uh, especially in Brooklyn and New York, you know, Christian background, Christian uh, uh, tabernacles, and you know, just the whole Jesus, <laughs> you know, just the Jesus vibe, you know. So it's like we we get it all out here. So it's like we might be more advanced in you know church, but maybe not books, you know. So it's like <laughs> you know what's interesting is that. Now, I was listening to a 50 Cent's audiobook, and he was like, you know, what made him successful in business was that the business world is very similar to the streets. Yeah. I listened to that book too. It's an audiobook. Yeah. Yeah. Hustle Harder, Hustle Smarter. It's honestly such a good book, but it's interesting because it's like, it is like the streets. It's just polite. It's just like, you know, there's just a little bit more. You know, they're just wearing suits. They're just wearing, it's a different type of like 
hustle. It's a different type of like, I'm going to stab you in the back or I'm going to get on. Yeah, top it, could be a, it could be a little bit dirtier. It could be a little bit dirtier because it's like smiles, you know, um, you, you get smiles in the streets. You can have people stab you on your back, but uh, the aggression in the streets, which has kind of always been a little bit confusing to me is that you can really be more aggressive to your brother in the street. So like someone out there than you would be in, you know, a corporate building or to someone within the like regulated industry. You know, it's like it's like they say like black on black crime. Like we'll probably kill someone faster that looks like us than like someone who doesn't. And I feel like that's like, you know, the dynamic between the rap industry and, you know, the streets as well. It's like, you know, shit goes down in the streets. We're probably two time across our brother in the street, but like in this label, uh, we got guys in suits that are doing the same exact things with smiles on their faces. <laughs> you know, they're two time in you, but it's like you don't feel the energy as well uh, as you know as prominent as you would in the streets. This is more like it's different. This is a different type of snake. You know, it's like it's a more subtle. It's like they trick you. It's like. You know, they, they get you to feel comfortable. They get you to like, get, they get you to agree to it. And then right. then later you realize you fucked up, but first they yeah. get you to agree. So like that, they're, they're like selling you. It's, it's so different in, but it's like, if you can take the same mentality of like, it's a dog eat dog world that you have in the street and you bring it to corporate, you'll do well. That's like what 50 cent said is like, you know, you've just got to be willing to play the game. It's slightly different in terms of the rules, in terms of how you speak, in terms of what you do. But like, generally, it's the same game. It's just slight played slightly differently. It's played with contracts. It's played with, you know, meetings. It's played face to face. There's the violence isn't really there. It, I mean, depends which circles you play in. But violence isn't really in corporate. Um, fingers crossed. But it's like completely <laughs> different. I agree. Well, actually, something I did want to ask you about because we were obviously talking about the NBA and um, and you were playing 2K. But, like, do you have, you know, Brooklyn are out, <laughs> you know, touchy subject, but do you have a smoky for who you think will win the chip? Like, do you have someone who, like, how are you feeling at the moment? Do you have, like, you know, I'm, I'm asking for uh, a tip you know, before we've even really gotten into it, you know, you might you might prove that you know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, okay, well, Boston Celtics look incredible against us. I'm very upset that we got swept. This is reminding me of like years back when the Knicks got. Uh, I think we only had one game against the Celtics at one point, and we got swept like first or second round when Melo was with us, Carmelo. But um. Yeah, man, this year I was just hoping it for it to be a good year for Brooklyn. I was really rooting for us. Felt like the energy was there. We had this new uh, team, KD, Kyrie. But right now, like, the Celtics look really good in that series. Uh, I got to, you know, New York and Boston had beef just for no reason. <laughs> I mean, I can't say for no reason, but, like, it's kind of like an unspoken thing nowadays because I know we have history, but. I know I meet someone from Boston. I'm automatic, automatically like, hmm, I don't know. Like, it's always been like a New York-Boston tension. But even without that, Celtics, they look really good. So, like, I'm a root for them this year, man. Shout out to Tatum and everybody that's doing their thing over there, man. I really hope they don't win because, as I said to you, I'm going, I'm on the Giannis train. Um, so I'm hoping they can do back-to-back um, the Bucks, they can they can step up for me, but yeah, uh, I, I have heard you know the Celtics are looking real good, but you know it, it's you never know with sport. That's the thing. That's why I think we all love it. You never know, you know. We could have you know the Mavs might come out and and I mean they had a tough series against the Jazz, um, but you just never know what could happen. Really, never know. I was surprised by the Bucks last year too. Yeah, I mean Giannis just suddenly knew how to shoot free throws. Just in, he just figured it out, you know, but like, yeah, I know it's one of these things. Like, as you said, you know, the, everyone thought the Lakers would be good, but I don't know what happened to Lakers. They really struggled this year. I don't know. How do you feel about them next year? That I, it feels like, you know, the bronze starting to get a bit old these days. He's starting to get a few injuries. 
it's a it's a long season, the NBA season. Yeah, man. Definitely a disappointment this year, uh, the Lakers. But, yeah, man, it, I get a little bit worried because, yeah, all those guys are getting up there in, in age. I feel like they may be, like, maybe the oldest team in the NBA. I don't know, the oldest starting lineup. But, uh, yeah, I, I do feel like they got a championship in them still, but it's a lot of young guys out there, man, that's just just ready. So um, I really hope, you know, they can get it together. But then I'm also excited to see what time it's going to do with uh, Bronny and his whole situation of getting in the NBA. Because I know that LeBron James has, uh, you know, he wants to play with his son at some point. So, I mean, if Bronny gets in the NBA and James wants to come to whatever team that is, I would really love to see them uh, try to take home a championship. That would be fire. Even if they weren't that good, to be honest, it would sell mega tickets. That's oh, yeah, I mean. just to see LeBron James and his son play basketball live. Yeah. Oh, that first game? That would be a sellout. Ooh. You know that would be a sellout. <laughs> that would be sick. I'm already I'm, good. I'm not even in the industry, and I'm already thinking, like, oh, damn, if I got those two, I could be like, I'll make all this merch. i make this, like, you know, all this shit, like you could just sell the crap out of it. You sign LeBron for whatever he wants to sign to. You just make it all back on merch on like, you can just like the interviews, the exclusives, like you could do. Uh, I'm already excited and it hasn't even happened yet. <laughs> right. And and that's a goal of his. And I feel like that would make him one of the, I mean, he's already one of the goats, but the fact that he could come in and still be healthy and have his son come in after is like, woo, that would be, that would be sick. I really hope that happens, and I, I'm hope I'm around to see it. <laughs> Not gonna lie though, I would love to see them go head to head. Ooh, nah, I feel like yeah, that that sounds cool too. But what would be would be, be cool is if Bronny and James, Bronny and, and and LeBron won a championship together, then Bronny ends up getting traded, and then they have to play each other. See, I feel like it could be the other way around, where Bronny comes in. He's in a team. LeBron still has his deal. He's like still vying for the championship. He wants to finish the year at the team to see if he can get a championship. So like they may have games against each other. That would be a cool head to head just to see. You know, again, you could sell the shit out of that. That's like, you know, the son versus father. It's like, again, it goes back to the biblical references. It's like, you know, the mm. will will the master and the student and you go back to like at its raw, it's like super cool. Like I just feel like that'd be such a such a good sellout. Um, but yeah, I feel like there's infinite options, and you know, people aren't a huge fan of LeBron. But at the end of the day, you got to get excited about shit like that because you know that shit's exciting. Oh yeah, he's one of the greatest for sure. I mean, and the fact that yeah, he's about to, you know, have a whole another part of his legacy. You know, that's that's kind of what we didn't get to see with you know kobe bryant and his daughter rest in peace you know just that i that idea was kind of exciting just like to see the greatness of kobe and then how he was raising his daughter to be a skilled athlete as well and how far she could have gone you know that's so sad so the fact that you know lebron is closer to you know making that happen we can see it from another great you know, kind of in his honor again, too, because like when the year James died, LeBron won that championship. So it was like maybe, you know, we can get one of the, the goat, goat kids into the league at the same time. Yeah, I agree. Well, I only have one more question for you, man. Um, and it's the only question, question I plan on the show. Um, might be the hardest question, but if you had to recommend one album that everybody listened to at least once, Cannot be your own, can be any genre of music. What would it be? I really like late registration by Kanye West. I agree. I think that's a it's it's a great album. Sonically, it's really good. I think he does put it together so well. And I don't know how do you feel about Kanye these days as opposed to you know what he was doing at, at the beginning? I feel like everyone loves the OG of the legends, but how are you feeling about you know, where he's at as an artist, where he's at as an individual, and where it's headed. Um, yeah, definitely. He, I was talking about listening to him earlier today because I was just chilling, 
And like the words for Jesus Walks just popped into my head. And I ended up watching like a lot of performance of him at the Grammys doing it. And he's he's just he's just done so much iconic shit. And it's just like even when you get down to like the lyrical content, just like I know that like we said like producers, uh they kinda got writers and you know, we kinda accept them like I think maybe Ron Fest helped him with this line, or maybe Ron Fest wrote these lyrics. But like even the beginning of Jesus Walks, you know what the Midwest is young and re- restless. Well, reckless niggas might snatch your necklace and next these niggas might jack your Lexus. It's like such a, 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 a MC's lyricist cadence, you know, and it's just like to bring that into the game as a song that's about Jesus, a song that's like not the norm, just. Yeah, man, like, he's always been someone that's created timeless music and has taken that time for us to kind of push forward. It's kind of like the oldies word to us, like the old school songs that, you know, the Marvin Gaye's and the Isley Brothers and uh, groups like that, or artists like that used to make, like, those songs are timeless, even though it's 30 years later. Now we're seeing, like, late registration and graduation. As these become 15 and 20 years old, we're like, damn, this shit still fires. So it's like we're we're getting our ODs, you know, our ODs, and Kanye West is a part of that, you know. And Kanye, uh, nowadays, I feel like you know he's keeping it pushing. He's still staying creative, still being an influence, uh, expanding his influence to fashion. You know, he's took over with the sneaker game. You know, he's just a, a dope example of like what others after him could potentially be. And he's definitely an inspiration to me for sure. So, I mean, I support whatever he's doing, you know, uh, definitely. Uh, yeah. I support it. I just, you know. Yeah. And you know, I, I love Jesus walks as a track. Like it's a banger. Mm-hmm. It, it's also like mm-hmm. a club hit and he's talking about Jesus. Like you can play it at a party and it's just like, it just hits every single time. Like you, you can go for a drive and it's just like, there's a feeling in that song that's like not just about spirituality. It's like, damn, right. bangs. It hits. It's like, what, what, what other song is like that? It's like, yeah. And, and the fact that he put so much energy behind it too, because like he, he made sure it was a single. He shot three videos for it just to get the vision right. You know, that just, just goes to show like how important his artistic vision was to him and, and to get it out the right way was important. So that's so inspiring, you know, and the fact that it's years later and we can still say that shit hits like that, that makes me want to, you know, definitely uh, stay focused and stay solid and keep creating music, you know, in a dope way and just, just focus on making timeless shit and take notes from artists like him. Well, I don't think there's any better way to finish other than that it continues to inspire you. But obviously, Diamond Dozen came through. Um, please make sure you check him out. Check him out on IG. He's uh, Diamond on IG. Check him out on Spotify. Check out his YouTube videos. Um, but yeah, did you have anything that's, that's coming soon? Is there anything you wanted to plug that is going to drop that the fans can look forward to? Um, you know, do we have any sneak peeks, anything happening? Very interesting. Interestingly enough, um, I was inspired by uh, Kanye West's Good Fridays. Um, a, a few years back, he used to, you know, put out, if, if you're not familiar, nobody out there listening is familiar. Uh, he used to drop a, a song every week uh, for like, a, a, you know, a period of time. And then he ended up releasing the album. So um, a few years of my career, I've been like on that type of timing. You know, the way I record and the way I like to release, it can be rapid to, you know, get emotional emotion going. So I've just been uh, releasing a few singles these past few weeks on all streaming platforms. So I got eight singles out right now uh, that released in the past eight weeks. Uh, my most recent was Players Only uh, featuring uh, Stro, uh, Daylight, Rome Streets, and my guy, Don Michael. So that's my newest track right now. But... Uh, yeah, so all these tracks coming out means an album is coming soon. Um, I plan on releasing maybe two projects this year. Uh, this first one probably may be a compilation of the joints I've been releasing, maybe updated versions, maybe uh, 
added features maybe i'm trying to figure it out but yeah that should be coming soon but i'm also working on an album called world domination so so people should expect uh a new project with uh some of the singles from that i've been releasing added to it but i'm also working on the album for the fall called world domination Diamond Dozen came through, as I said, make sure to check him out. He's anything but a Diamond Dozen. I think we said that before. I don't know. We should get T-shirts that say anything but Diamond Dozen. Uh, I think it kind of works for me personally. I don't know. But, man, absolute pleasure. I appreciate you you coming through and looking forward to seeing what you can do. And we said, you know, off air, but looking forward to seeing you come to Australia at some point. You know, borders are opening up. You know, I went to Thailand recently. So if I can get over there, I'm sure you can come over here. So, um no nah, man, it'll be great to do this in person as well. Yes, sir. Yeah, definitely. Let's make it happen. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news. Also, don't forget to check out my Patreon under hip hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show. Bye for now.